Hi everyone, welcome back to Chirping with ABA Owl, Season 2, Episode 10. I'm Carla, that's Lauren. Hi! And this is our last episode for this season, as we will be taking a break. Woohoo! We're very happy. We need it, guys. We need it. Um, so, disclaimer. These are our thoughts and experiences. We are not claiming to know everything. We are only speaking from our empirical practice. And, you know, plus, we do like sharing. Sharing is caring. So, you know. Um, anything from the previous pet podcast? I can't really think of anything right now, Carla. Sorry. No, shame. I think it was a good episode. Yeah. Thank you to our guest. It was really cool. So, you know, so you guys don't think we only do ABA people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some variety is good. You know, it, always. Um, so, but, you know, feel free to tell us if you have any topics you'd be interested in or any questions you might have. You can email us at get ready, all the ABAs now aba.owls.uk at gmail.com you can contact us through our website www.abaowls.com on instagram at aba underscore owls or on facebook at aba owls yo digital half half eh? or virtual half half or whatever so our top yeah yes our topic for today is we continue with our training staff theme and this week we'll be discussing new team members so how to train a new team member why did we choose this topic? So, you know, we're working throughout our training staff theme or topics, and we this week we'd like to focus on training new staff members because everyone's been there. Everyone's had a new member join their team or they've yeah. been a new member of a team or they've been a new employee, however you want to see it. So we thought it would be a good way to, you know, talk a little bit about what it, how to train someone new. So... It's our fourth episode under this topic of training staff. So the first one we did was an introduction. That was season two, episode five. We discussed the GROW model, which was season two, episode six. We got into reinforcement in episode seven in April. And today we're going to talk about training a new employee or a new staff member. Okay, so if you've ever had to train someone who's new or a new employee, we're sure you've also felt very overwhelmed by everything. And a new person usually means that your time um, to do a task has to be shifted because you, you know, you're training this new person, so that you're a new focus. And if you've ever been a new employee, which I'm sure everybody has, you've probably felt anxious or nervous um, to start a new job. You know, nobody really likes to feel like they can't do something or they don't know how to, they should be doing things. You know, we can honestly tell you we've been in both positions quite a few times. So we're here to tell you about how we use ABA to train staff. Okay, so it's, we're going to break it down into three steps today. So our first step is planning and resources. Second step is training. And our third step is fading out and maintaining. Okay, and then we'll finish off with our end thoughts. So I'm going to go through the first step, which is training and resources. And it's a bit of a beast, so you better get used to listening to me for a little bit. And then... <laughs> Stick, um, sorry, the second step, training, and the third step, um, fading out and maintaining, Carla will tackle. I will chip in bits and pieces, and so will Carla. She feels the need to. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start on first step, which is planning and resources. Okay, so now we're going to ask you to imagine, you know, when a new employee joins your organization or your workforce or your, you know, whatever, however you want to frame it. So they probably need more attention which means that your focus will have to shift from your other tasks, okay? 
you know, for example, you'll be supporting other staff members. You won't be able to do that as much because you are supporting this new person learn new skills. And we understand that every job is different, but we can use the same measures across different settings because once it works, it just needs to be adapted to different content. Planning your time can make a massive difference in your day, okay? But the biggest difficulty like some people seem to have is being trying to keep it simple. So, you know, we've been there. You know, we're guilty of striving to do too much as possible in one day. You know, we advise you to think of the quote, less is more. Um, the first written recording of this quote is from 1855 in a poem. But it's still the best approach you can have. Okay, this doesn't mean that we're necessarily advising you to do less. But we are saying that maybe take the view of more achievable. In ABA, we love small achievable steps. We use it for our clients and we also use it for ourselves. Um, it can be quite punishing or disheartening to have a to-do list for a day and then not being able to complete it. You know, you're less likely to even want to write another list and attempt to complete it if you've been unsuccessful previously. Um, you know, Carl and I have had to deal with this many times in our lives, especially when we worked within an organization. You know, we would plan our day, but if we had a staff member that was absent, we'd have to support some children on the timetable. You know, instead of supporting the staff, we'd have a student with us. Um, and there goes all our planning for the day because now we, you know, our focus is different. Mm. You know, and go, yeah. basically, <laughs> just quite, you know, your to do list is something that you have to keep in check and be, you know, keep in mind, which we'll talk about a bit later, but it is something to help you focus on certain tasks, you know, so basically we'd go into the timetable because we'd be supporting a student and that would be mean we one-to-one -one with the people and we run their individual targets for the day. So we essentially become the tutor or the therapist, however you, whatever terms you use. And if we were able to stay on our class while covering a pupil, we managed to try and find some time to train a new staff member, you know, but some days it's just not possible um, and plans aren't meant to be followed for whatever reason. And, you know, we need, to find it, we need to find it important to help to learn to let go of things and start over another day or the next day. After we've said all this, what do we mean by planning? Planning can be having a checklist of behaviours the new employee needs to learn. Okay, planning can be discussing a backup plan with your superior or your advisor in case you're not able to available to train. Planning can also be setting aside time for the new employee and stick to it as much as possible. So I find checklists are amazing. They're actually really powerful and more than what people actually assume they are. They can be a great source of support in helping you remember all the things, sort of the steps you need to follow in order to achieve a task. They also can track where you are and where you're going. I find it really helpful to know where I am in terms of training and where I need to be. I use a checklist. Um, Carla, I don't know if you have anything to add on in checklist writing or using. Oh, I do. I do, actually. I do, thank you. Um, just a quick example. Like I, so I used to work in a jewellery shop many years ago um, that had an opening checklist, so an opening the store checklist. So every morning, one of the sales consultants had to go through the checklist, date it and sign it. So this is for, you know, accountability, etc. And it had items on it, such as both shop window displays are clean and dust free, including the jewellery product. So, which was very very accurate, I think. Um, and this checklist was implemented across all of the company's locations. So everyone had to do this. And I honestly, I usually used to volunteer for it in the morning because I do love a checklist. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Oh yeah, but I couldn't after when I became a senior sales. I you know I had the job, yeah, responsibility. The so stuff. you know the boring stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like yeah. you know, I've never. I, I I always like training people and come up with system for even before ABA. I was like I was always coming up with how can I make this easier for someone? How can I train this person? Like I was always naturally in that yeah, direction. In that in that framework. So, yeah, framework. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Isn't that so funny? Well, it's playing to your strength, honestly. Um, yeah. So I created checklists for some of my ABA programs. So sometimes people, you know, that like the general principles of ABA, you know, you don't have to follow mm. a protocol, but just remember that, you know, reinforcement is, is likely to increase a behavior and, you know, these kinds of things. And remember to be positive, bring positive attention to behaviors, um, not say things like walk with me as opposed to don't run away. So these kind of general things yeah, yeah, I yeah. like to put on checklists for people because sometimes you get lost in what's happening and you forget the basics and I think that's what the checklists have helped people do um so yeah I've done that and I I also have felt that I would have found it really helpful you know when I was learning and so I also plan for you know past Lauren and her experiences and try to think about how I could have helped her more, and that's how I help new members of staff because I know I yeah, would have helped, yeah. I would have benefited from that support. So yeah, I think that also can have impact. Whether it's some, um, you know, there's some consequence-based learning happening right there. Anyway, so for example, your checklist can have sections such as policies, and under this category, you can list all the policy that the new employee or the new um, work person needs to read. Um, here are some items that you can put on your checklist, such as has read and signed all the health and safety um, policies, has read and signed the safeguarding policies, or the um, the fire guide. What do you call it when you? It's called the the fire uh, safety. Fire and safe safety. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember that. You know, has signed the food care policy. If you have a fridge or a cleaning, so you know the risk area. risk assessment. Yes, exactly. Risk assessments. Um, um, yeah, yeah. You know, well, anyway, uh, it's quite common for companies to have particular policies that employees should be aware of, and having these written on a training checklist will prevent you from forgetting it, and also and also safeguard the company of going. I know that I asked you, and you signed, so you should know the policy. So it works both ways. It protects staff members. It also protects companies. Another added bonus of a checklist is that it will li likely decrease your worries about having a new staff member because, you know, mm -hmm. you have a document telling you what you need to do. So it helps you yeah. direct where the training needs to go and what needs to be done. And it also helps you see how far you are along on the list or how far you've got to go. I think that's also quite helpful. And, of course, you can tailor yeah. checklists to a particular job. But, you know, remember, again, less is more. Um, so different jobs will yeah. have different demands, but the more complicated you make the checklist, the harder it will be to train the staff member. So small achievable steps, <laughs> prioritize which work behaviors are more important, maybe set deadlines yeah. and review them quite frequently. So for example, week one, you need to read and sign all the policies on safeguarding health and safety, because those are really important to know when you're in a building with children or with, you know, teaching, the teaching force. Um, you, may, you might need to also read the documents on pairing and receive um, role play training from your manager supervisor. This second one is more particular to working in the field with autistic people, children, but also for other things, I think they're sure there's policies that are appropriate. We just thought we'd give you an example from our field. It is also very commonplace for us to have training divided into weeks, um, with each week has a different topic. 
But we should say that this method can also be counterproductive at times. You know, life happens. Unforeseen situations happen. Someone can get ill. There might be a shortage of staff, etc. Mm. So sometimes we advise that you exercise some flexibility when it comes to, to training, time training, within weeks, etc. If a person needs more time to fully understand the part of training, then support them in mastering it before you move on to the second stage of training. You know, because otherwise you're going to have someone who's feeling shaky on their feet or a bit wobbly in certain areas, and then they're moving on to more information. I would much rather stay mm. and be comfortable and know that the staff member feels really comfortable before we move on to something else. Um, this is why reviewing documents and adding additional information, you know, additional time for some staff is more important and helpful. Um, think of training in terms of guidelines or a framework to work within and edit it or alter it when needed. So it needs to be reviewed, okay? It can't just be, this is one we have, and 10 years later we're using the same one if things have changed. Um, I think I also just wanted to talk about resources. And Carl and I are big on resources and having a bank of oh, resources. Yeah. Okay? Initially, seems like a massive effort, but actually it can be really helpful in the long run because you don't have to do it every time. You've got this, like, folder or a section that's filled with all the things you need for week one and you just systematically hand that out to staff members and go, mm -hmm. I know you've done this training, but there's this extra article that's really helpful. Or would you like to read this? There's a video that I found. There's a link here for this video on YouTube to help support you understanding this topic we're talking about. So yeah, I think yeah. it's really, really good. And also sharing it with people, you know, they, they may learn something. They might actually get that from the extra content than just the original content. You just never know. People learn differently. Um, and also something that if you are focusing on resources when you're trying to train someone and you don't have them initially, it can um, it can take away from the process or slow it down because you don't have the extra information to hand. So yeah, I think creating a bank of resources or having resources available is really helpful with the checklists mm -hmm. and the weeks and the you know the original materials to train with. So yeah, I think yeah. That's my planning and, and resources section. And I think, you know, remember, I remember when we were in school and you had to have lesson plans and stuff and it's all very well and good, but like, I always, I was, you know, I tried a lot, but you know, you need, you need people to contribute towards this, mm. don't you? Where I just felt like, because we all had to rehash the same topics, like PSHE and all that and food tech, etc., art, blah, blah, blah. I just felt like if you had a meeting once in a while, like, okay, who, what did you guys do for the planning? Let's have a look at which one was one of the best and and keep that. Okay, when people need to do it, they can get the lesson plan and just slightly adapt it to to your students where, for example, you had to reach the, the less able to the most able. So, for example, you could have had like, okay, for um, uh, we're doing personal space and this is for the lower group this is for the middle group this is for the higher group where you just had three different lesson plans oh. and then you could you know what i mean because you could just tweak it because the, mm. the lesson i did for and i and i'm talking about personal space because the lesson i did for that with the more advanced group was really good i remember i really liked it because we used a lot of physical stuff where for example i would have them okay stretch your arm out uh, and they had to say, okay, this is usually the distance you speak to a person, especially if you don't know them very well. And then I'll say, okay, fold your arms and go close. So this is, is this too close or too or too far away? And they would say, oh, it's too close. So kind of physically trying to get him to understand. Absolutely. And of course, no one took me up on my offer. 
as always. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh see, here comes Scarlet with her bloody idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Anything else you want to say? Because that was great. I don't think so, hey? I I'm, think I'm okay. No? Yeah, thank you, friend. All right. Thank you. So I'm going to move on to the second step training okay so you've done all this planning that lauren mentioned which was great and now you have to actually train someone um (laughs) you know let it you know now you have to do it you've planned it now you have to do it so you know made your bed lay in it Mm -hmm. um let us let us give you some key guiding notes so first off what do they need training on what is the priority how should we train and how should we consider the skill learned? So these are very four important steps or, you know, guidance. And you need to prepare your training from these four, okay? So it's two what's and two how's. So first on, first off, what do they need training on? This is something that, you know, the aforementioned checklist that Lauren said would help with. Like every job has different work behaviors. And the checklist tells you what are the behaviors need to be trained. But something else that can be added is what is the priority? That's the second part. So it's important to prioritize. This can be done at the planning level. So when you have the checklist, you do need to have, okay, what's the priority? And even within the checklist, you can have by levels, let's say, or, you know, you can just have what's more important from more important to least important. However, as we discussed, exercise in before and previous episodes, exercise flexibility and realistic aims, okay? Otherwise, it's too much. Like, new needs might come up, there might be an expected new project, or there might be a new pu- pupil joining the class, and you might have to get a new client, etc. Like it's There's a variety of life events that can happen. So the level of importance for each work behavior might shift based on a day-to-day basis events, isn't it? And now the third one that's, you know, the biggest one is how should we train? So in our training staff introduction, the episode five from this season, season two, we did mention an article that discussed different training methods. In our field, there's something called BST, which stands for behavioral skills training. And this training procedure uses both verbal training and role playing. So verbal or vocal instruction is given to the trainee, and this can be in the form of a lecture, videos for around 15-20 minutes, followed by role-playing where the work behavior is demonstrated to the trainee. So during role-play, it is very important for the staff to try and execute the work behavior, okay? There are various studies that have shown the efficiency uh, of role-playing. But if you don't believe us, just think about yourself when you start a new job. So when do you actually feel like you've learned the skill properly? When someone said, you do this and that, or when you actually had to do it, you know? So understanding what works for each person could also help in training someone, as knowing this could help train someone more, you know, sufficiently and more effectively. And if you think back, I can't remember which episode it was, but yeah, I think it was this one, the introduction to training mm. staff, where Lauren gave the example, you gave the example, Lauren, of when you started in the hospital and you had to try to take care of the appointments and stuff. And, you know, they went there and then they're like, do this and that. And you're like, 
I have no clue. Yes. But when you started doing it, then you got the hang of yeah. it. But it's because you had to do it. It's not because because we can listen to stuff for ages. But if we don't actually do it, it's not going to sink in. Mm. I don't think. You know? So it's very important to... I think role play is one of the key elements when you're training someone. So, because motor skills and stuff. So how do we consider the skill mastered? Um... Or when is it some when when is someone competent enough at performing the target skill? So the time spent in role playing is when you can assess if the skill is learned or not, or if it needs more practice. And you know, to be clear, when we say role play, we don't mean that you spend hours doing it, but rather, you know, how skilled you are at completing this skill correctly with such satisf- satisfaction. So, for example. Again, years ago, worked in a cafe. Well, where haven't I worked? I think this is how Lauren and I felt. Where haven't we worked? You know. Because <laughs> I even worked in a call center. Was fired. I'm not very good at selling stuff. <laughs> not a call center. It was a um, carpet cleaning service. Oh, my. Thing. Well, that's hard as it is. I wasn't very good. Um, I can't push people to buy stuff. Anyway, it's not my skill. So we had this uh, wireless handheld um, device to take orders in. And my manager at the time, she was lovely, bless her. She showed me how to use it. She had me do a couple of times a couple of fake tickets. And when she felt I understood it, she asked me to use it when taking orders during our calm hour. So she didn't want to overwhelm me. <clears throat> and then I felt confident in using it during busier times. And, you know, this is just a short, very short, small example But we have role-playing, her doing the behavior and then having me do it. We have fading in demand, so doing the behavior when it's less pressure and on my own. And when I had confidence with it, I performed the behavior in higher pressure scenarios. So this skill can then be considered mastered. So there you go, role-play in a quick, easy and effective way. And... You know, and anything you want to add for before I move on, Lauren? No, I think that's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, and since I mentioned uh, fading out and fading in demands and then fading out, etc., this is brings us to our last step: fading out and maintaining. So the follow-up. So just to be clear, we we do say fading in, fading out, and it can be a bit confusing. So when we say fading in demands, we mean we are increasing the level of difficulty, and then when we say fading out, we mean fading out prompts. You can say fading out demands as well, but we usually say fading out for the prompts. So fading out the support. So slowly remove the support or even the reinforcement just so people become more and more independent. Okay, so these are the differences. And then there's maintaining, so follow-up. So you might once in a while check, just a quick check. Are they doing everything correctly? If they are, okay, cool, they're good. Thank you for your time. You did well. And move on to something else. So let's talk about fading in demands. If any, this is going to be a very quick one, I promise. So if an employee is displaying the work behaviors necessary to master that part of the training, you know, progress with training, slowly add more responsibilities. And this will help the new employee with being more successful in mastering each step and feeling confident in an initially restricted number of skills, which then systematically and slowly you can add more and more. So each skill is well-developed and fluently demonstrated so it's just 
it's it's like scaffolding build it in like if the basis is secure you add another level and another level so we've mentioned the scaffolding which is actually a teaching method that people reference so think of it think of it like that you need the basis and then you build in you know yeah the foundation then needs from, to be strong yeah exactly with anything uh maintenance so maintenance is following up so this is an important part of any any work-based skill any skill for that matter so mm -hmm. if you don't practice things yeah if you don't practice things or use them you will either lose the skill or forget how to do it you know there's the expression of it's like riding a bike but yeah mm -hmm. but you know you it you know <laughs> you do need to practice to have the skill first for it to to come back to you isn't it and um if if you practice or maintaining it by performing it regularly, you are less likely to forget or become rusty at completing the skill. So that's basically maintenance. The The manager would come in and just have a quick on-the-spot check if everything's being done correctly and if it's not, they back up. And where we used to work, we used to have something called um, competency, let's say an evaluation of staff performance. So I think they change it to every... Was it every term, not half term, every term you had to be uh, evaluated on the four, like pairing, manding, ITT and net, like net I think teaching. So. Yeah. Yeah. So natural environment teaching. And um, so once, like, so let's say in a term, not half term, a full term, every staff member had to, which is, you know, it is. The competencies, actually, to be honest, there's something else that could be addressed the way that it was done. But it was a good way of maintaining skills because it, it it just prevents people from, let's say, slacking. Yeah, and it's also a good a way to reassess, you know. Yeah, and especially yeah, if you they need support with anything else. Yeah, and if you work with different students, you may need to tweak some of your techniques. Um, so it would yeah. be evident that this person might need more training. So it's not necessarily a punishing thing, yeah. but it's a seeing like, oh, they need more support. Okay, so this is the areas they need support in. So it helps you assess that. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, the, the, the system is good. I'm not sure about the actual content being good. Um, mm. quite, it can be quite intimidating. Mm. I mean, I, have, I can yeah. give you a story about maintaining because so I currently run a center which has some students who, even though that they cannot, well, not that they cannot, but they aren't in mainstream education, their families and, and themselves have chosen to do yeah. online curriculum. So one student is doing mm. a GCSE, so that I think it's General Certificate in Secondary Education, I think mm -hmm. that's what it stands for, and the other child is doing, or well, child, he's 16, um, is doing a GED, which I think is General Education development I can't remember it's, one's American one, the English one is the GCSEs and the American one is a GED yeah 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 um GED and, is American I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. it is and the, the, the person who talks is American but you know I'm supporting them to do their online stuff so I'm having to basically redo high school um and <laughs> <laughs> like it's, without the it's, bullying hopefully yeah exactly and also without the caring <laughs> like I don't care now that I get it wrong you know it's the care um, so I'm yeah, having to like yeah, yeah. relearn how to do some maths and some biology and even English, oh. you know, like all the, the, all the, what do you call it? Like the, not the language, is it called language? Like, um, where's the, where's Maybe, the semicolon yeah. going to go and all this stuff. Oh, grammar. I know. Do you mean grammar? Yeah, oh, grammar. Exactly. The how, part, you know, the how is English going, by the way? Oh. How is English going? <laughs>
bad and I am an English speaker. Um, maths is actually going better than I did in high school because now I don't I have... Gonna, I was going to yeah, ask. Because yeah. I don't have as much anxiety you were never around it, I think. I don't know. Because you, because you always said you, like numbers were like... Yeah. You, you avoided numbers yeah. a lot, but you actually do a lot of accounting stuff. So and I have, quite surprising, I isn't know, it? actually. <laughs> but you know what I've realized? Is that a lot of the accounting stuff is just organizational. So you just have to have good organization yeah, skills. Yeah. It's not actually yeah. maths, <laughs> which is helpful. No. Um, but I also have that weird, I don't know if it's a form of dyslexia, but I have that thing where I have to really concentrate on numbers. Discalculia. Because I swap them around. What's it called? Discalculia. Okay, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have it all the time, but when I'm slightly more tired or I feel more anxious or whatever, I can't, I can't do that. I get the it numbers. depends on the person. Like, yeah. For example, I lots of people are not diagnosed with dyscalculia, which is a shame. Mm. But it's well, not a shame, but it, because then you, they don't know what's wrong. But yes. like, it's the thing of you have two numbers and you have a difficulty identifying which number is bigger or mm. um, what was the other one? For example, you know, you did all the reasoning correct and then you swap over two numbers yes, that's and what I the do. result is. So that's dyscalculia. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that's a symptom of. Yeah. Um, you know, so instead of saying 89, uh, I'll write 98. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I, you know, I didn't maintain these skills, obviously, because, you know, yeah. as Carla and I have discussed about education, a lot of what we learn is just pre-programmed learning. It's not actually like teaching yeah. you to think. I don't, I don't really understand yeah. why they're still in that place, but I also am not an educator, so it's not my place to, to preach on that. But, um, you know, I didn't maintain these. So I have to start have to come back <laughs> to practice them. Yeah. But you know yeah. what's amazing is that you start remembering. So, you know, I am maintaining it now because it's essential for me to be able to support my students to complete it. But I have to relearn with them <laughs> because they have to also do some of this content and write exams on it. So I have to make sure that I'm fluent enough to pass on my skills to them so they are fluent enough. So, yeah, I'm, I think maintenance would help me here, <laughs> but um, it is coming back, so I don't feel too bad about it. Um, I know what you said about, I know we're not educators, however, we have been students. I know. And we, I think our opinion is also important in that yeah. way, because I, I used to hate history. Yeah. It was literally the topic you could not, you know, I was just like, I hate this, I hate this, and... As a grown-up, when I was tutoring the girl, you know, the girl that you know, and um, and we had to go through history, mm. and I was learning about history, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I quite like knowing this. And then with the podcast that you and I listen, sometimes we li I listen to uh, Noble Blood, so it, of course it's murder, but it's a royal family, and I'm very into the cool. history of it all. Mm. Yeah, she's great though. Like she's great. She's so good. Love her. Um, but yeah, but that made me. You know, my favorite part is when she has to do an episode about Portugal. The way she says the names, it cracks me up a little bit. Too. I'm gonna be honest. It's quite funny. It's because uh, it's quite. You hear an American talk about like international history, isn't it? Like yeah, I know. No, it's quite. I love her. Yeah. So I love weird. her. I really love yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but to say that. Now that I think back, it's like, it's not that I hated the, the subjects. Like, the way it was taught to me was not appropriate. It was just like, memorize this date, memorize this dynasty, mm. which I have no idea about anything. Which, But now that I'm listening and I'm, you know, engaging with the materials, let's say, and I find them really interesting, I now, there's a, in my brain, there's like um, a mental 
I can organize it in my mind and I'm starting to understand a bit more about some other stuff. And, and you know, so it's not the content that was bad. It was just the way it was taught. Mm. So, you know. Exactly. It is what it is. It, make of that as you will. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Do with that what you may. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Cool. Is there anything else we need to t- talk about? I think that I think that's it. No, I'm just I'm happy for our closing comment. Okay, cool. So I, you know, I think train is training. Carl and I both really I don't know why, but it's just something we really like. So it's a very exciting part of our jobs, you know. Um I really enjoy doing it and I enjoy helping other people see how amazing ABA can be and how powerful it can be to understand the reasons why people have certain mm. behaviors. I think that is a very powerful tool to unlocking a lot of things in your life, not just helping your the, the clients you have, but also your own behavior. So I love mm-hmm. doing it. I love doing training and I love talking about the ABA themed things. Um, but when you have to do it all the time, it can also be for the same content. It can be quite draining. So it's important mm-hmm. to, you know, work on reinforcing your staff appropriately, which I think also is something yeah. that's, you know, we spoke about, but it's really, really important to, to yeah. think about how people actually reinforce and there's your OBM stuff, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. I, I love doing it. I wish I had more time to do do it. Um, for some people, mm. you, usually you're on the go, so you don't get to do it as much. Um, so, yeah, yeah. so it's, there's, there's things in there to learn. Great. Like, I personally also quite like the training stuff. And I quite, you know, I love training stuff, parents, professionals. I just really enjoy discussing, like, people's point of view, why they think this and that. And, um even if I don't agree with them, you know, you don't have to be nasty about it. And it's, like you said, like I, even from this episode we discussed about the planning and the checklist and how to train, I think the more you do for your present self, the more you will help your future self. Yeah. Because you will develop that, you know, because some people when they're training, they get really overwhelmed. Like you just need to slowly prepare. Mm. Like we said, this is where we are now. This is where we want to be. What small steps can we take to get there? And I think the train with training is the exact same thing. Like what are the most, what are we now? What do we need to do? Okay, let's take it step by step. And if it's not perfect, it's not perfect. Because to err is human. No, no, was it? To for, to err is human, to forgive is divine. So kind of like forgive yourself once in a while if you don't get it right the first go. Exactly, just... you know. And we everyone would rather do things well. Surely people would rather do things well yeah. than rush things. For sure. All right. Um, I think that's it from my cool. end. Okay. So please feel free to email us, guys, on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. Apologies, Carla went through this earlier. But this <laughs> is part of the drill. <laughs> or, or message us on Instagram. We are at aba underscore owls. If you have anything particular that you'd like us to talk about or if you want to ask us questions or you have a theme you'd like us to address, please, please, please get hold of us. We are happy to have emails and messages from anybody. We really would love to hear from you. So thank you. Please do get hold of us. And sorry, just a quick note before I do myself. Um, This thing that we repeat every time, the disclaimer, the emails, just so you guys know, we do have it written down. I mean, it's our own checklist. We have a template (laughs) pre-made and then we just fill it in. Because otherwise we would forget. Like We just help ourselves. Because if we did it, it would be a mess. Okay, FYI, 
FYI. So finally, The Hood Chronicles will be out in two weeks' time, as always, on the 18th of July, and the next Owls will be on Monday, the 5th of September. So if you have a moment, please rate, like, and subscribe to us. We've said many times this helps us. We've also said we don't know how, but, you know, here's hoping. Uh, we are chirping with ab owls on itunes and on instagram and facebook and thank you again for listening we really appreciate have a good summer break or autumn break wherever you spend your august and we'll see you back in september bye, bye. it's also quite can i just say yes Sorry, really quickly. I'm so sorry. Um, like my where I live, like we have like a block of buildings uh, where we live, and well, it's houses, but it's not buildings. It's houses. Um, it's like nine houses, and we're talking. We've been chatting about doing um, a street party. Yeah. Uh, and I was saying to the guys because we need to do application to close that part of the street, which is quite small, but it's fine. And I said, oh, I used to do risk assessments. I'll do the risk assessment because I was like, oh, I've had God. to do them for work all the time. I know it's fine. I'll just see, like you know, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> my contribution. I'll do the risk yeah. assessment. Why not? Yeah, I actually anyway, miss some so of that, that formulaic stuff or that like you know, I don't know. I, I do miss some of it because yeah, I quite like to do it too.